Hey, I'm Ben Silverio. I'm Warwick Johnson. And I'm Ansel Birch. And it's time to party! Today's episode about Terminator 2 was recorded on January 7th, 2023. We are not doctors. We don't give medical advice. Please drink responsibly. Or his his non-union equivalent Hans Spielbergo. Fun fact, James Cameron and Steven Spielberg and Guillermo del Toro have a little uh, secret movie club. Ooh, do they hang out and watch all the MCU movies in timeline order? So my uh, my headcanon was that they they all wear matching pajamas and eat popcorn yes. and have a rotating, you know, at one of their houses I mean, each time. I would hope so. James, but in reality, it's they go to each other for like notes on scripts, and they visit each other's sets and give feedback and stuff. Ooh, that's, that's less so fun. Cool. <laughs> like I, I just imagine them having like a scathing group chat, talking shit on Zack Snyder, yes, and Michael Bay. Or it's just like Guillermo's, just like, oh my god, you guys gotta go see Bullet Train. It's so much fun. Guillermo's like, guys, we need to watch Totoro again. <laughs> James, James Cameron's like, we gotta watch The Abyss and jerk off to the ocean. <laughs> Hi, party people. For those of you that don't remember from Terminator 1, no. I'm just... uh, ben, what, which movie are we talking about? And, and who, yes. whose review do we have? Ah, yes. Uh, Party people, welcome back. Uh, It's time to party. Uh, This is our second episode about Terminator 2 Judgment Day, Uh, one of literally the best sci-fi movies ever. Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say, right? Yeah, it's up there. (laughs) Yeah, if if, uh, you don't know what we're talking about. It's certainly one of the most beloved. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because that way we're not, not, you know, qualifying it. Sure, yes. uh, I agree. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm quantifying it uh both actually because by saying it's one of the most beloved sci-fi movies we'd be qualifying it as opposed to saying that it's one of the best movies but we'd also be quantifying it by ranking it as one of the top ones i believe language is fun isn't it grad school ladies and <laughs> grad gentlemen. school bitches go to DePaul. <laughs> you'll learn things i guess wow, i don't wow. know don't go to DePaul or do i don't know you do whatever you want it's your life, you know? At the end of the day, you got to go up to that weird goat and tell him what you did, you know? So live the life that you is want. Is that how you graduate? You just go up to the that's goat? That's just what I just... imagine the afterlife is like. There's just a goat there oh. that's just like eating grass. And you got to just like, you know, you're just like, well, what do you think? And the goat's like, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down. I guess the goat has thumbs. Does the goat have shoes? Find out in my book, Midnight City, coming in 2024. <laughs> Uh, I don't think it's actually coming out in 2024, so please do not get your hopes up. But if you start calling Simon & Schuster, it's like, hey, I got to get a copy of Midnight City. They'll be like, we got to find this guy. Hey, if you want to give me money for pre-orders, I'll take it. (laughs) Buy my book. Buy my book. Uh, No, but seriously, (laughs) go to warwickjohnson.com. We might print it. (laughs) But go to warwickjohnson.com and buy The Empty Grave, please. I have so many boxes of it, and I, I don't know what to do with them. If you don't know what movie we're talking about this month on Time to Party, uh, our good friends at Rotten Tomatoes tell us this. 
In the sequel, set 11 years after The Terminator, young John Connor, played by Edward Furlong, uh, the key to civilization's victory over a future robot uprising is the target of the shape-shifting T-1000, Robert Patrick, a Terminator sent from the future to kill him. Another Terminator, the revamped T-800, Arnold Schwarzenegger, has been sent back to protect the boy as John and his mother, Linda Hamilton, Go on the run with the T-800, the boy forms an unexpected bond with the robot. Aww. Aww. Uh, our friends at Rotten Tomatoes are a lot more sentimental than our friends at IMDb. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but also it, it sounds like it, it wasn't written by a, an AI robot, so. <laughs> the <laughs> irony is strong. That's what they want. That's yeah, what they right? want you to think. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's what they want you to think. So the the first thing that I want to bring up is that we're not that far from the robot uprising. Uh, no. If we're to believe Terminator 2 Judgment That Day. is true. 2029. Okay. I uh, Hold on. I will say this, though. Um, 2029 is when John Connor sends the Terminator back to protect himself. So yeah, I the uprisings believe, in the 90s. yes, 97, 97, I guess, is, so is when it really starts. The more interesting thing for me was watching this movie is that I was also born in 1984. And so I was watching this and I was like, I got six years to lead a revolution against the robot uprising. And then I'll feel as accomplished as John Connor. <laughs> I See, so you got to start breaking into some more ATMs. I've seen this movie... Uh, a few dozen times, I would say, uh, I would say generously, I've seen this movie a few dozen times and I never realized that John Connor and I are the same age. So (laughs) that's like when I found out that, uh, LeBron James was exactly one month younger than I was because he's born December 30th, 1984. And I was like, oh, that is the most depressing thing I've heard. That's upsetting. (laughs) So upsetting. I, uh. I have sort of the opposite, uh, but with a similar impact. Uh, on my 30th birthday, a dear friend had her child. Mm. So I share a birthday with this child, but this also means that the kid is now a walking, talking representation of how much older than 30 I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, but look at it this way. Maybe... Uh, it'll be like a picture of Dorian Gray situation where if you don't see the kid, the kid will continue to get older and you'll stay the same age. And I won't. Oh, yeah. maybe that's what's happening. I've <laughs> I've handed all of my aging off. Yeah, but you just just got to make sure that you don't Benjamin Button it or whatever. I don't know. I, I don't I don't remember. However that, that yeah, whatever however that, that is. Uh, hey everyone, I'm Warwick Johnson. I'm a comic book writer <laughs> and novelist. I'm back here to talk about Two Terminator and Two Furious. Uh, Judgment Day, Tokyo Drift. Um, we're uh, very excited to be rehashing this. After the last time when I was here, we talked about Terminator 1. And we agreed that it was a <laughs> real rank piece of dog shit. And Schwarzenegger is just the worst. Um, and certainly don't go back and listen to that episode. Because you'll just be like, yeah, these guys are right. But you, of course you'll be like, why is Aaron Klein on this? And like, that'd be weird. <laughs> Terminator, no, our but, first ever sh- uh, episode, by the way. Yeah. So this is look a, at that. A beautiful Look how far we've come. Yeah. 
full circle. I mean, there's four more Terminators, so I guess it's not quite full circle. You guys are a third of the way around. <laughs> bring Every a different, two years, we can do another Terminator Bring episode. a different person in for each Terminator, right? And then it's, you know, and then the sixth one, we all get together and talk about how Dark Fate is probably the third best Terminator movie, maybe second? Easily. Well, see, Easily. now we got to do we got to do that one in 2029. Yeah. So Dark Fate. If if Just we make so, it yeah. that far, uh, then we'll do Dark Fate. Um, the main. So the the she's not a Terminator. She is an, uh, a she is a cyborg because she is a human that's augmented with Terminator technology. And right. she comes back to protect the new John Connor. Um. She is a very fun actress, but she is the the main romantic lead in the um, the movie where Kristen Stewart goes home with her partner, and she finds out that her partner hasn't come out of the closet, and so she oh, has to. Oh, I like that movie. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. Is happiest season? Happiest or? season. So the yeah. the good Terminator from Dark Fate is the is the partner in happiest season. Oh, and uh, she is great in dark fate. And I just think it's so funny that they were just like, okay, what if it's just like a human this time <laughs> and she's got cyborg parts. So yeah, that would be funny. Yeah. Let's that's, do that. That's my cell for dark fate. But at the end of this episode, I will rank my terminators. So stay tuned. Oh. Yeah. A, a, classic warwick johnson series ranking just uh just the you know my my patented warwick johnson series rankings because it goes fast five (laughs) (laughs) it's uh it's a it's a vintage warwick johnson whodunit yep Yep. um so (laughs) so in terms of terminator versus t2 uh, the first Terminator movie is more like a horror movie. Like, absolutely, you have this Terminator just constantly chasing John Connor, Sarah, uh, Connor. you know, and you're Sarah Connor, yeah, Sarah Connor, right? Um, and it, you have this like air of of I don't want to keep saying horror. Uh, you, you, there, there's this element, yeah, yeah, there's this element of suspense, like uh, all, nearly a thriller disguised in a sci-fi movie well i think the difference is in the first movie it's two humans going up against a killer robot only one of the humans is an actual fighter being the hottest balls michael bean i actually don't know why i keep making this joke that michael bean is super hot in terminator is it a joke like i don't know if it's a joke it's i'm i'm sure michael bean is still attractive now so but he definitely was in terminator one um but so you've got Michael Mean, who's a trained soldier, and then Sarah Connor, who's just like a retail like clerk, right? Like she's just a regular person, and uh, they're going up against the killer machine, and there's nothing they can do to stop Schwartz, you know, Schwarzenegger in that. He he mows through police stations and stuff. Whereas in this one, I think it's less horror and more of an action movie because the playing yep. field is more level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because now both sides have a killer cyborg. Right. And even though so Robert Patrick up. is by himself and he's more advanced and tougher, uh, Schwarzenegger holds him off. Schwarzenegger, you know, has moments 
where they gain the upper hand and they're able to stop him and get away. Yeah. 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 The the design of Schwarzenegger is advantageous in a couple of key ways. Oh, Robert Patrick, you mean Peacemaker's dad? Peacemaker's dad. This is the role I, that put him on the map, and to this day, that every did time not. He... Woof. That hit me hard when I was like, wait, what? Yep. <laughs> that guy? Robert Patrick is such a good actor, and he does some really fun, interesting stuff in this in this movie. Um, something that I found interesting is when he was doing this, he mimicked uh, American Bald Eagle. That was the inspiration that he took for some of the motions that the T-1000 does. Um, and so I think that's really interesting that he has, you know, that almost some of the head motions and things like that. I think that that's a really cool idea that he based some of the movement on the bald eagle, this like, you know, predator of the sky. I think that's really that's really neat. I'm picturing an inside the actor studio with uh, Robert Patrick and Sam the Eagle from the Muppets. <laughs> Robert Patrick, Sam the Eagle and Eagly. And Eagly. There you go. Peacemaker. It's moderated by Eagle. Yeah, it's moderated. I'd watch that. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would watch that too. Um, The other cool thing is apparently Robert Patrick did extensive training, um, specifically running, so that he was able to run without necessarily like breathing hard or breathe or noticeably. Oh, interesting. So he could make it more robotic, and so he did a lot of breath control and a lot of like extreme cardio to get ready for it. And apparently, he did it so well that he was able to catch the dirt bike in filmings, and he had to slow down on a couple takes. Wow. Yep. Insane. Yep. Why? Why run that fast? He takes that that seriously, man. I guess. Agent Doggett is, you know, knows what he's doing. He's very committed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, uh, we're talking about Robert Patrick, but his character, the T-1000, says some weird shit. Fruit. For example, mm-hmm. when he meets John Connor's foster parents, he says, oh, he's a good-looking boy. Mind if I take this picture? Which is a That is an odd thing. Odd thing. To, to request. Say, right? Yeah, super creepy. It was also odd of them to immediately be like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Well, why is it that the adults uh, so blindly trust cops in this movie and all the kids are like, no, I haven't seen this kid. Maybe he's over there. Uh, John, so John Connor's uh, mullet sidekick. I don't know. I don't remember his name. But he's from Salute Your Shorts. The kid from yeah, the kid from Salute Your Shorts. You, there's this like freckled ginger mullet kid, and he is the true savior of humanity. Because if he had just been, if he had talked to police, that you know, then things would be different. But instead, he instinctually knew a cab, and he pointed the and he told, he told the cop the wrong information. That kid is a hero, and Tim. Uh, if anything, he should Tim? be trying. Tim. Maybe. The character's name is Tim. The actor's name is Danny, Danny Cooksey. Danny what? Cooksey. Ooh, what a fun name. Well, we yeah. salute you, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Robert Patrick also has these moments um, where he's like, where he's trying to get into the mental institution specifically. So Sarah Connor is locked up in the mental institution and he's trying to get in. 
And it's like, oh, well, there's already some police officers here. And so his response is like, uh-oh, there's other cops. I better turn into a puddle on the floor so that nobody notices me. And he covers the entire floor. And I'm just like, why was that your inclination? Like, why wouldn't you just be like, oh, cool. Well, I'm a police. I guess I'll go in there and like whatever. Um, you know, because he kills everybody anyway. So like, <laughs> it was just weird. It was weird, but then yeah. remember uh, when we were watching him, then we pointed out how he has to be able to touch someone in order to replicate them. Yes, and so like he turned into the floor so that he could uh, replicate that rent-a-cop. Right. Oh, I suppose that that makes sense if that was his plan. Because the guy walks. But like, on him. yeah, but he already had a good enough plan because the receptionist was like, "Oh, your friends are already there." Right. Like she was about to let him in. But also, like. I- I don't want to tell the Terminator how to do his job, but like, couldn't he have just killed the receptionist and replicated her? Cause it seems like she's the one that had access to all this stuff. Right. It, I agree. Like, it seems like, uh, the T 1000 as cool as he is like structurally, he doesn't really have the, the strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe there's not room for all the processors in the, in the goop brain. Yeah. I also, it reminded me so much of, this is going to, it's reminded me so much of Talos from Captain Marvel. Okay. And I, because uh, in that movie, it's, he's like, oh, I really like Ben Mendelsohn and Ben Mendelsohn's weird Southern American way of talking. I'm just going to keep that the whole time and, you know, and like disguise myself as that. In that same way, the T-1000 always looks like Robert Patrick. For the most part, like he keeps that first human keeps form going back to gets. him. Yeah, keeps going back to it, I guess, because he's like, well, cops can carry guns. So this will be easier for me to, like, get around. But it was just that's for a robot. Like, that's weird to be like, this is the perfect you know, way to blend in. <laughs> but he doesn't even use the gun, does he? No, he just turns his hand into the, the thing when he. When he first tries to kill John and he shoots at him, but then that's the Terminator right, stops he shoots the bullets. A, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I think he has to get rid of the gun when he phases, when he melts through the bars to get into the mental hospital. And I think he just no, he, never he turns his hand and just brings it with him. Oh, he does. He, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, because then I don't think they think that's when he got rid of it. But I guess he must have gotten rid of it shortly after, or but something. Yeah, because yeah, he just chases them and yep, stabby pokey punchy for the rest of the thing i think the idea is that he can so he has the metal shards that he uses to stab people um like the guy from 24 which was john's foster dad um and so i think he's not able to make complex chemicals right so that's why he doesn't just turn his hand into a gun it only is metal stuff um which is interesting i like that the i think the best movie villains have to have limitations right yeah. Um, well, and, and it also it forces the bad guy to chase you, yeah. which is a huge build of suspense and and danger. Is that whole chase scenario? And if he can just stand still and shoot at you, that's I don't know. It's a different kind of danger, right? Yeah. So speaking of chases, the truck scene in the canal, right? One of oh the best God. action scenes, like kind of of this time period, but perhaps ever. It's so much fun, and it, I was like, it's all practical effects, so it still looks awesome. Yep. Something uh, that I will absolutely 
praise James Cameron for is his use of practical effects and uh, scale models and all these things that he he utilized to to accomplish the Terminator movies. Oh yeah, at least the first two. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he he he's unmatched in those er- areas. Absolutely. Like uh, you see it in the in the scenes where the world is ending. Also. Mm-hmm. Like you can see the the miniatures at work there too. Um, I feel like that's a lost art of cinema these days, because of all the CGI and things like that. But um, I'd actually, you, I I think that CGI is a big thing, but I also think that studio pressure to have turnarounds for franchises is a big absolutely. thing. absolutely. Um, think about how quickly the Star Wars sequels had to come out versus the original trilogy right or even oh, yeah. or even the prequels they were it, they were like no there has to be a new star wars movie every other year and i was just like that's insane and then the yeah. movies not none of them made sense or fit together because they had to have new directors they had to have like everything turned over all the time yeah um so i think that that's a big part of it is that because yeah. they think about the because they have the CGI, they don't want to invest that time into it. Well, yeah, and they're also but, underpaying their CG artists. Yep, absolutely, that too. Yeah, cut costs. You, yeah, you know, I was just watching um, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio ah. on Netflix. And, you know, it's a stop-motion animated film. And oh. I was watching some of the special features uh, at the end. And, like, here's del Toro showing you the different sizes of pinocchio the different sizes of uh of the cricket and like the different geppettos and like watching him film this stuff and I'm just like this is fucking fascinating and like no one ever does this stuff anymore um yeah but you know back to cameron um speaking of like this stagecraft you know foley is an important part of you know crafting a movie and there is that moment where the t1000 like pulls the pole out of his side mm. in the end and it's just like ploop <laughs> like it's such a it's such a dainty uh sound effect yeah well and it doesn't show any ripping or tearing through him like that i would say is one of the few like real whiffs on the whole uh i don't know on the on the way that they did the effects for this movie yeah um some of my favorite effects uh, from the film actually didn't make the cut, which is crazy. Um, the one that stands out, there is a deleted scene that I highly recommend everybody. If you get a copy of the Blu-ray, check it out. Um, it's a deleted scene where they are working on a microchip in the T-800's head. So they've got Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sarah Connor is like operating on his head. And this is the reason why he becomes more human as the movie goes on. They activate this, like, learning chip in his brain. And so they did this by setting up a fake mirror with Linda, uh, with Linda Hamilton and Linda Hamilton's twin on the other side working on a dummy. And so, like, mimicking each other's motions. It's so cool. It's such a brilliant idea. I'm really bummed that that scene didn't make it in the film because stuff like that is so cool and it shows kind of the smart way that they went about kind of going with some of the things in it. Another fun practical effect, apparently the production of the film took so long, Edward Furlong got, you know, he got older 
and apparently he had a huge growth spurt. So there uh, are some of the scenes with Linda Hamilton where they had to dig a hole and have him stand in the hole so that oh the height God. would match up with other things that they had filmed. Um, That's amazing. And that is a hilarious thing that I never knew. Uh, they also had to redub over some of his lines because his voice dropped. And so some of the early scenes, his voice is high and cracking. And so he had to go in and ADR those scenes over again, which is very wow. You know, uh, I would say that I hate to keep bringing up the Muppets, but I don't. Um, <laughs> you know, that's how they how they do Muppet uh, productions. Like they'll build the floor for the actors up much higher so that the Muppet performers have room to stand and see them their monitors and mm-hmm. like you know operate the the puppets oh. so it's the regular actors that are elevated on a stage very fun instead of instead of the the muppets being in holes um yeah so so much of this movie i think relies heavily on the performances i would argue this is one of schwarzenegger's best performances um i have a hard time thinking of uh, a better Schwarzenegger, or at least uh, a more favored one. I, you know, I, I feel like this is at the top of the list for me. Yeah, um, you get stuff like I'd argue like True Lies is peak is mm. like peak Schwarzenegger because that movie relies so heavily on him and Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, likability. Right, you like both uh-huh. of those characters. That's what makes the movie work. Um, but. Jingle all the way. Jingle all the way. And Jingle, Jingle all the way. Like, hey, Delightful. Schwarzenegger's got so many fun movies, right? Yeah, but this Junior? one... Yeah. Junior's a good one. But this one, he's funny. He's intimidating. He does the action stuff. I mean, it's really like the total package. It's true. Um, Edward Furlong, who is like a somehow not super annoying child uh, in this movie. Like Edward Furlong does not get nearly enough credit for being for playing like a, a punk, a rebellious kind of punk kid. But it it's believable and he's not a little shit about it. You know, like I think that that's a really hard thing to do. The thing about Furlong is that he embodies this futuristic uh leader of the rebellion at such a young age already like we we had already mentioned it uh before but like you know you see the seeds of him being that person uh as the 10 year old you know at certain moments throughout the movie um also linda hamilton i mean this is always always a badass so good but it's also such a it's such a departure from Sarah Connor from Terminator one. Um, and Ben, right. we talked about this a lot in the episode where we talked about Terminator one. Um, yes. but then to see her now in this one where she's just this like hard grizzled badass, but you, you get why. And you see that she wants so desperately, you know, to have John be the person that's going to save the world and everything. And like, yeah, she probably was a pretty crappy mom but like she did it because she wants to save the world and and you get so much of that from her performances uh from her performance as sarah connor i think that that's such a cool change like it's such a neat kind of thing to see that growth between the first one and the second one yeah seeing uh thinking about her with kyle reese versus 
her in the Dyson household, mm-hmm. where she's about to to kill Miles uh, in front of his son. Yeah, and Miles Dyson. I mean, every time Joe Morgan, famous shows blues up, brother Joe Morgan. Yep. Every time Joe Morgan shows up, I'm always so excited. I he's one of those guys that I'm like this. Like I love seeing him in things. He's the police captain in Die Hard Three, the second best Die Hard movie. Um, And he is just like one of those guys that when he shows up, you're like, yes, he's in this movie. That's awesome. I I saw Ansel's face when I called him a blues brother. (laughs) He's a (laughs) he's in Blues Brothers 2000. Blues brother 2000. Sure. But, I mean, while we're talking about actors, I do have a note in my book here that says Dollar Store Richard Jenkins. Yep, Kirkland brand Richard Jenkins. <laughs> and now we feel bad we about it. We do feel bad about it. R.I.P. Uh, Earl Bowen. But the thing is, he did a great job in this movie. Absolutely. He's a great character actor, period. Great character like, he's actor, been period. The Man with Two Brains, Naked Gun 33 and the Third, mm-hmm. The Final Insult, Nutty Professor... Uh, like this dude pops up in a lot of things and he's just like part of the set. Yeah. Yeah, And he, but he was so much. He steals not, I don't even want to say necessarily. They say that he steals the scenes that he's in, but he, you, you complete, you get why you get the conflict between the two of them right away. You want to see Sarah break out. You see him get his comeuppance when she breaks his arm and sticks the syringe of cleaning fluid in his neck. Like, it's such a great character for the for that part of the movie, and I think why the stuff with Sarah in the in the mental hospital works so well um, is because of him. So, yeah, R.I.P. He's done so much voiceover work. Oh yeah, oh for yeah. like a ton of stuff. Hmm. Like I'm looking at his IMDb profile right now, and it's just damn, bro. Like he he did a ton, he's done a lot of like Star Trek stuff, um, so many different cartoons, Justice League, he, uh, but but this is the one that I did not realize, uh, he's the voice of Rex in Toy Story. Aw, that's cool. I didn't yeah. know that. That's the dinosaur, right? Yeah. Cool. Oh. Uh, he's also the voice of the Beyonder and the Red Skull in the Spider-Man animated series. That's cool. Oh wow, the '90s one. Yeah. Oh, very fun. Um, God, going. <laughs> there's so many roles that this dude so roles. has been in. Yep. Um, and I, we would be remiss, I think, if we didn't mention Stan Winston, who it doesn't. He's not in the movie, but this movie would not look as cool as it did without him. He's one of the legends of special effects. And he created the Terminator look with the damaged face. He did so much of the practical effects, like the big metal like bullet wounds on the T-1000. Mm-hmm. He came up with all of the, the nuclear effects. So um, big shout out to Stan Winston in this movie. Freaking kills it. We talk about how good the practical effects are, and that's, that's that guy. I mean, like that's what he's known for. Like He's like the freaking king of that stuff. What do you think yes. of this play of this movie's like legacy? Okay, so I was I was definitely going to bring this up. So I think one of the uh, stereotypes that you get from 
from culture really is that uh boys shouldn't cry right mm. like it's it's definitely a, a residual uh like holdover from like this toxic masculinity culture that you know we we've lived in for so long but um in this movie kind of makes it okay to cry because the terminator keeps asking uh john connor like well why are you crying you know and then he's just like i i understand why you're crying now yeah you know uh it's a it's a basic part of being human and in a way um you know for all the kids who watched this while they were growing up it it would instill in them this whole uh uh this this idea that you know it's okay to 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 feel emotions you yeah, know there's there's a humanity in in that yeah for sure i i also think too i mean if you think back to the 90s cuz this comes out in 92 um and there were a lot of science fiction inspired science fiction included action films that kind of came out in the wake of this um there were a couple beforehand right like total recall another schwarzenegger movie you know of course the original terminator but there was kind of a big explosion of it after this because this movie was a pretty big hit it won like four uh academy awards it made like a lot of money i think adjusted for inflation it's the highest grossing r-rated film of all time um so it's like you know obviously it had a big cultural impact and i think that you know you see that where i think it pushed the zeitgeist a little bit more towards science fiction and then that was that was picked up and carried on by stuff like Blade and then the MCU, you know, so I think that maybe we wouldn't have seen that same drive to how big comic book movies are now or stuff like Game of Thrones without that kind of push towards genre, you know, genre fair. Um, so I think Terminator 2 kind of helped legitimize genre movies in a way that nothing really before it had. I think um, that's a very fair statement. Yeah. You know, like, and I think that a lot of people, if you mention science fiction, I think that a lot of people are going to think about the Terminator. Like, that's going to be one of the ones that come up, you know. And there hasn't been, there's only been one good Terminator movie in the last, like, 15 years. But, you know, even so, like, I think it's a it's a character that sticks with people. From Brian Cage yeah. to Kenny Omega to... <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, something that Aaron and I legitimately talked about last time we talked about the Terminator... Um, was that when we were re-watching the first one, we were misremembering parts of the second one as the first one. Mm. Uh, so, like, when you say Terminator to people, I feel like most of the time they're thinking of T2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's the one that holds up the best, I think. Terminator 1 has the police station scene, the you know, the I'll be back, and then he yeah. drives the car through. You've got sure. that scene, and I think that's the scene that everybody remembers from Terminator 1. Aside from that, I like that movie a lot. I couldn't tell you more than maybe one or two of the scenes that happens. I remember the ending of that movie, and I remember when the Terminator first shows up. And that's kind of it, you know? Right. Because everything else is hasta la vista, yep. come with me if you want to live. Yep, yep. 
which is all from this one. I the think thumbs exactly. up as you fall into the metal. Yep. This is the first movie where we see the future too. I don't think we actually see what the future is like in Terminator One. I we might do. We do. We okay. do. Yeah, we do. There's some okay. flashbacks uh, to John Connor in the past sending. Ah, all uh, right. What's his bucket? Okay, I wasn't sure. Kyle. I, Kyle Reese. Yeah, I wasn't Kyle sure if that yeah. the opening of this was the first time that we see the Terminators like in action in the future. So I wasn't sure about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, but you know, we get a lot more of a fleshed out of the world, and we get to see a little bit more about Cyberdyne in this one too. Yes. Um, another lasting effect uh, of of terminator 2 uh is you know immersive theme park experiences because i I know i end up talking about like theme park rides often on this podcast uh (laughs) but uh the universal studios attraction terminator 2 3d battle across time Mm. which is stylized as t2 3d uh uh was I remember one of the highlights of going to Universal Studios uh, in Hollywood. Um, it was also in Orlando and Japan. Ah. Um, and actually, I think the one in Japan is the only one standing. Uh, oh. The other two have been eliminated. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're both replaced by Shrek. They've been terminated. Yeah, They've been terminated. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, they just actually... got reskinned or did they get complete re- just <laughs> down to the ground? I mean, I don't think they could have used those Terminators again. Uh, they just from... they just dubbed over Mike Myers doing the same lines, and so he's just like, yeah. "Ah, <laughs> come with me if you want to live in my swamp." <laughs> if you look closely, the Terminators are still in the stage. Uh, they just <laughs> they just don't come out anymore. Pinocchio is um, just a Terminator, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, those uh, that attra- those attractions like. At the time, it was seamlessly integrating uh, live performance with on-screen 3D and 4D special effects in the theater. Like, they had a lot of moving parts that worked really well uh, and was uh, a huge draw for for a, for a kid. Sure, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure that definitely um, helped cement my love of T2. Because I got to revisit const- revisit it constantly whenever I go to Universal, um, but it's a shame that uh, that theme park has put all its money in um, Harry Potter mm-hmm. uh, and all of these other property properties that aren't uh, long lasting movie franchises. You know, like um, there is a ride for the Secret Lives of Pets. Um, I mean, I'm sure it was a good call to do Minions. Uh, I'm sure that's still a prop- popular ride. Yeah. Um, but like they got rid of Jaws and Back to the Future and uh, Terminator. Like a lot of the their their marquee attractions. E.T. You know, uh, King Kong. Now I is would just bet a- you a lot of little kids now have no idea who E.T. is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but like that's that's the fault of the studio, right? Like they're the mm. ones not. I mean, all right, look, fair enough. I, but okay, I a little insight. I hated ET 
as a kid. Yeah? Yes. I could not stand it. I I don't know why, but every time I watched that movie, I was like, no, this movie sucks. I can't. This is a terrible film. I don't know why people like Interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't even tell you why I hated uh why I hated E.T., um, but I did. I never liked it. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Uh, so that is, yeah. And that's, so that's, that's the insight that I have is that E.T. sucks and should go, should get buried on the wayside of history. So wow. Warwick is uh, in favor of killer robots, but not sweet aliens. Yes, killer robots or killer aliens. I like killer aliens too, you know? So. <laughs> um, I was gonna bring up Godzilla, but he's not a an alien. Eh, there are some no Godzilla. Godzilla's like a primordial creation that yeah, from like he's nuclear, from the center of the earth. Nuclear right. tests uh, awaken him and and empower him and stuff. Uh, I was just gonna uh, bring him up because you're decidedly pro. I am decidedly uh, pro an alien. Um, so King Ghidorah is an alien yeah. for sure. Mothra might be from Earth. Same with Rodan. I'm not sure. But King Ghidorah is definitely an alien. Um, and so is Mecha Godzilla, I wanna say, in the original in the original Godzilla. Um, readers feel free to hashtag not my Godzilla uh, with any um, updates on whether that's Did I say readers? Oh my god. Sorry. <laughs> Listeners, feel free it's to okay. tweet. Ben us. does that all the time. <laughs> I do. It's true. It's that written medium. It's really hard to tra- to transition from one to the other. It's, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, it's real. Uh, so Terminator 2 is one of the movies that I that always sticks out to me. And I think when we when you say time travel, it's what jumps out. It's always one that comes to mind. Um, but I it's so it's so much of it is set in the present day. But yet it feels like it's really a future dystopian. Um, I guess I think about it in the same way as like Days of Future Past, right? Most of Days of Future Past takes place in the... And I'm talking about the comic, not the movie. Um, Mm, But most of it takes place in the X-Men's present, you know? And you get get the glimpses forward. You see the Sentinels fry Wolverine. Like it's these big moments that happen in the future... Um, but most of it takes place in the X-Men's present. And yet it is this, like, you, when you think about it, you're like dystopian. It's everything's dystopian. It's all like dense and hard. And that's the same kind of thing with this one. We get only a little bit of the future and so much of it is based on like so much of it. You think about it as just this dystopian thing. And I just think that that's interesting. I think that there's something about the, the the dark future of Terminator it makes such an impact that even with just the little glimpses of it, it's that's really what kind of stands out. And I just think that that's a, kind of a testament to the movie that it really is this like warning of like that this is something that can happen. And I think that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is really neat. Um, that it's it's so much a presaging of the worries that we had then which the dates are wrong but those are still concerns that people are are like freaked out about now like some of the most powerful people in the world are worried about ai right now yeah and uh well automation is such a 
to to slip on my uh, crazy leftist hat. But automation is going to be one of the biggest concerns that we have going forward. Um, yeah. Because as more and more jobs become uh, automized, not only do you have people that don't have work, but you're also then then it becomes well if you're able to automate you know to automate these jobs, shouldn't you? So then people are free to do human pursuits. But at the same time, then it's like if you take jobs away from people, you take away purpose from some people. Like some people work jobs that they love and you don't want to necessarily automate it. I yeah. don't want to see AI churn out, you know, crappy comic book scripts, you know, about people with father issues, you know, like that's my job, you know. But it's like <laughs> you don't want to necessarily rely on it for things like art like music, like, uh, you know, like, like spoken, like words and everything, you know, like, yeah. uh, well, stories. I mean, to, to join you in wearing the leftist hat though, I think that's the best argument for the like Star Trek Federation future where we either abolish money or there's a UBI mm -hmm. because then you give everyone the opportunity, you know, we've, we've automated all of this bullshit that nobody wants to do. Yep. So if you want to build a car, you can totally build a car. No one has to build cars anymore, but you right. totally could. If you want to grow grapes in France, you can go grow grapes in France. If you want to write the next novel or make comic books or whatever, like that's art and exploration become more important human pursuits. Right. I, but to... But then every time Elon Musk opens his mouth, it's just like, do you want Skynet? Because that's how you get Skynet. <laughs> well, yes. and that's, I think, the thing is like Skynet is if we do capitalist AI mm -hmm. as opposed to if we do, you know, like a more equ equ more equal, more egalitarian AI. Yep. Then you get into like federation shit well and and I have friends of mine that did the AR, the AI art thing right where you where i'm sure it was just some thinly veiled thing to get people to agree to facial recognition or some whatever whatever it was mm -hmm. the issue that i have with it is like yes i get it that you're like oh look at this cool piece of art that was made for me for like a couple of dollars and it's like yes that's great but however you could get real art that's made by a real person and yes, it's going to cost more money, but you're you're going to get something that you know that is that's a real part of the human experience, and not just something that was stolen from other artists on the internet. Exactly, that's the thing. The AI art is using styles of artists that it's stealing from mm -hmm, that you they don't, don't agree have... to in a lot of times. exactly. Uh, Adobe, yes. everyone listening right now, go to your Adobe Cloud settings because they automatically default your uh, Adobe Cloud. I don't forget what it's called. The like thing where like they're like, you yeah, have the, to creative sign in, the creative cloud. They automatically default your creative cloud settings to that. They allow that you are allowing your artwork that's in there to be used for AI learning. Go in there, turn it off, delete stuff off the creative cloud. Don't use creative cloud. It's a scam anyway. But this is important. You, We should not be doing these things because you're stealing from people that are actually doing the work and you're doing it just to make, just to cheap, just to make things cheaper. And that's bad. <laughs> and art should never be cheap. Art should be one with blood, sweat, and tears. And if you agree with me, go to warwickjohnson.com and buy a copy of The Empty Grave for your loved ones, for your hated enemies, 
It doesn't matter. I will personally seal them with a kiss and send them to you. Buy my Buy book. my book. Buy my book. I talk about it in there. I don't because it's a Western and it kicks ass. <laughs> and that's the end of my we cheap book. We quote the critic so much for being alive in 2023. Because it, the critic was such a here great we are. show. It's such a great show. <laughs> Until like the last couple episodes when they knew they weren't coming they back. They went wildly off the rails. Um, yep. However, all shows go wildly off the rails. It, with the exception of The Good Place, I can't think of a show mm. that didn't have like weird and crazy uh, like episodes. Bits. I yeah. love Arrested New Girl. Development, the last community. Is, the last <laughs> season of New Girl is unwatchable. Um, there are a handful of good episodes, but that's it. Oof. And that's... So, yeah. what are our final thoughts about uh, Terminator 2? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're asking if Terminator 2 Judgment Day is worth our time, uh, I think that's a resounding yes. It's worth all uh, of your time. Devote your absolutely. life to Terminator 2. <laughs> <laughs> Join Skynet. Join now. Skynet. Uh, <laughs> join the resistance. Move to Belize. Hang out with people. Sleep with war criminals. Sleep with war criminals. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I. <laughs> we don't um, know that she slept with him. Terminator. She probably did, and that's okay. Probably. Let Sarah Connor get her rocks off. That's what yeah, I said. Absolutely. Because she deserves it. She knew that Judgment Day was coming, so she wanted to bang as many war criminals as she could. And I say hats off. No. Um, so the Terminator movies after this all go very sharply downhill. Um, and that's a shame because I feel like the studio bought, had the rights and they're like, well, this movie was so successful. We got to keep going back and milking this cow. And they couldn't get james cameron to come back really he would i think he produced most of them um but there there's middling forms of success terminator 3 is not that terrible um uh, terminator 4 salvation is okay except for sam worthington which is a <laughs> phrase that everyone uses in every movie that Sam Worthington is in <laughs> um terminator genesis might be just an absolute dog turd of a film. <laughs> um, and by might be, I mean, it's a thousand percent, a, just a, a dog turd of a movie. I'm very sorry, Matt Smith. I know you're an avid listener, but I, that movie stunk. Um, they wasted you in it. So I'm sorry, Matt Smith. I still maintain that there are interesting elements in that movie. There are cool concepts that are done poorly. That is the thing with Genesis that drives me nuts um, is that the uh, going back and rescuing Sarah Connor early and having her be raised by the Terminator. Now she's a badass at her the age that Michael Bean would be meeting her. Um, that's an interesting concept. Replacing Michael Bean with Jay Courtney is oh, such a it's that is a crime that what a Alan Taylor should be in jail for doing that. Um, I'm sorry, but if you can't get Chris Pine to play Kyle Reese, then don't bother like remaking it. There's there is like at the very least, try harder to get somebody better, you know. Um, Jai Courtney is Jai terrible, Courtney is, except as Captain Boomerang. I'm not where he's in, supposed to be supposed terrible. To be terrible. <laughs> um, 
And then Dark Fate, you've got the return of Linda. You've got the return of Linda Hamilton in Dark Fate. Um, and the movie is interesting because it's a direct sequel to two. So they cut out everything else. And I think that mm-hmm. that's a very, that leads to a lot of really interesting things that they do in Dark Fate, which is why I think that that is right below Terminator 1 for me. All the other ones, way distant, distant, distant second or third. Um, But yes, Terminator 2 is absolutely worth your time. Um, It's it's interesting, especially I'd be very curious to talk to someone who's never seen it and have them go into it. Because I think there's a lot of stuff from modern films that we still see today that's from Terminator 2. Absolutely. You know? Um, Yeah. There's so much of that. I think that the interplay with the three main, pro, you know, protagonists with uh, with the Terminator and John Connor and Sarah Connor, I think that group works so well. And then the interplay between the Terminator and John Connor, I think you see that emulated or that like copied in a bunch of movies, which is interesting. Um, so like it really makes a it has this indelible mark in cinema, and I think that's what makes Terminator Two interesting. Um, I feel like there's so much that you can say about it, but it's tough because with a great movie, there's only you know like it's kind of the same thing. But it really is a movie, and if you take it out of the canon right of cinema, it leaves this huge gaping hole in almost everything around it. Not even just genre movies, you know. Um, so much special effects, I think, came from this movie, I, w- I would say. Yeah, I think I think that I can get behind that. Like, especially with the special effects. So much of, of the movies of that era uh, definitely caught their, their special effect bug from this. And, you know, I think maybe we see a, a pretty big leap forward in CGI technology after this movie. It's like this movie... And then the Matrix and the prequels are like the three from this like twelve year time period where you know where computer you know technology mm-hmm. special effects technology takes big leaps forward. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. Well, in Jurassic Park, we gotta we gotta acknowledge the absolutely the Jurassic t- Park the CG T Rex. Wait, that was CG. Some of it. The oh. rest of it, they Part, shaved a it. gorilla. <laughs> yeah. no i just remember those yep right not many people I just remember that. uh one of the shows that they used to show on amc i think was about like movie magic and like how they made how they f- ended up like filming stuff and i i recall parts of the t-rex like actually being built out you know so that the actors could react to it and stuff yep. mm-hmm Exactly. Yeah, like the head yeah. when it comes down on top of the car. That's a I guess there it was like a big coup with the CG artists creating this CG uh T-Rex in almost in secret. Um and then casually showing it to Spielberg and being like, "Oh, this? Oh, I guess you could you could use it in the movie, maybe." Uh, and the model <laughs> shop was pissed cuz they wanted the they wanted the budget. Very cool. Yep. There you are. 
Cool. So uh, that's our review of Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Uh, if you want a good reason to go back and rewatch it, tune in to our first episode from earlier in the month, from last week. Uh, so you can get some drinking and smoking rules. But really, you don't need any reason to rewatch this movie. Just do it. You know it's been a long time since you've rewatched so it, right? So just do it. Honestly, I'm gonna I'll rewatch it again because uh, I, it had been I think ten or twelve years since the last time that I saw it um, from when Ben and I watched it, and I was like, man, I oh, love wow. this movie. I have not seen this in way too long, um, and you know I just need to I need to get better about doing that. We recently rewatched the Indiana Jones trilogy, and that was one some that I hadn't hadn't watched in a while. So go back and watch classic cinema. I haven't seen. Don't a lot watch of those Avatar two. Go rent Indiana Jones: Raiders of the Lost Ark online and Crystal somewhere. Skull. <laughs> you could watch most of the Indiana Jones trilogy yeah. in the time, in the time, time and you wouldn't have. You don't even have to leave your house. So, you know, just do that instead. You'll you'll find you'll feel better about yourself. <laughs> oh, James Cameron. Special thanks to April Moralba for our podcast art and to Marlon Longett of Marlon and the Shakes for our amazing theme song. This has been an Indecisionist production. Head on over to indecisionist.com slash time to party. That's time the number two party for more episodes, show notes, and transcripts for season three. All right, America, Plus the clock is ticking. That means it's time to party. Good night. Wait, no, that's not the that's not the log <laughs> Ah, there it is. <laughs> the clock's oh, I like ticking. It. Clock's ticking. <laughs> to Terminator, to Judgment Day. It must be time to party. You can find us on the internet. I'm at bsilverio20 on Instagram, Twitter, and Hive. I am at Warwick underscore Johnson on Twitter. Don't follow me anywhere else. I am at Indecisionist on Twitter and at The Indecisionist on Instagram. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can use the hashtag Time2Party. That's Time the Number 2 Party. You can also join us at hashtag Time the Number 2 Party. Warwick, stop telling people that it's hashtag Time the Number 2 Party. Whatever, Ansel, I do what I want on Twitter.com. <laughs> One word. <laughs> Spell the whole thing out. I am going to use that hashtag. I'll have to listen to this a couple yeah. times to get all the words. But I'm going to use that hashtag when tweeting about the episode. That's actually where the hashtag ends. It's going to use, it it's gonna use all sentence. 240 characters. Yep. And it'll be worth it. We'll be the only thing in that hashtag. The only thing. <laughs> Is yeah. that good marketing or great marketing? It's the best marketing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I can come down on See? that one. That's that's pretty pretty unassailable. <laughs> and while you're trying to figure out that hashtag party people, we want to remind you to be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Oh fuck, it's Brian Cage. <laughs> <laughs> A fucking machine! Fucking machine! <laughs>